Lord, may we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves. Lord, you say in your word to look to the hills. Where does our help come from? Lord, help us to look beyond ourselves. Lord, do we look to you, that we see you in the midst of things around us, the things we struggle with, the things we go through. Lord, help us to see you, to see things the way you see them. Lord, help us to see and help us to hear. Help us to hear your word and to believe your word. Lord, help us to believe your word and not the word of everyone around us. But Lord, help us to believe your word and what you say about us. Lord, we just thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to continue to talk about witnessing. And today I'm going to look at some scriptures and different ways that people witnessed in the scripture. And the first one I want to look at today is probably maybe the most common. Um, I'm not sure, but I would say it tends to be the most common. Um, in John, the first chapter, beginning at the 35th verse, it says, Again, the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and, seeing them, following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. So they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. That was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. And you shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus walked. Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. So what we see here is we see people who, and I always, I always thought it was interesting that basically these people, when they got to Jesus and they saw him and they got close to him, they just followed him. I always thought that was very interesting. They just followed him and they said to somebody else, hey, we found the Messiah. Come with us. They hadn't heard anything and, you know, they just followed him. I always thought that was interesting. But what they did was then as they came and they saw the Messiah, then they went and they invited their friends. They invited their friends. They invited their family. A lot of times that's kind of the way things happen. Not always, but a lot of times people, they, they see, they come close to Christ. They, they see what he's done for them. And then they want to say to their family, hey, come and see. Come and see. See what I've seen. See what I've experienced. And so they invite them to come. Now, what happens in our situation a lot of times in America, you know, Jesus is, went back to heaven. And we are now Christ on the earth. 
And so what happens is people hopefully see Christ in us. And then they want to say to somebody, come and see, come and see. And a lot of times that happens and not always. And I'm not saying this is the best we're going to talk about, but that happens in church. And probably in America, I would say this is the way that we do most evangelism. I would think it's out of invitation and out of relationship. Here's the big question that I wonder about, and and, uh, I'm just going to think out loud with you for a minute. Why are we here? Why are we gathered today? And this is a big, I wouldn't say debate, but it, it changes the philosophy of how you feel about what church is. Okay? Um, Some would say that we're here and the church is here for believers. And it's where believers come together. And I would say that is true. But the question becomes, then, what is our focus? Is our focus just to care for the believers and for believers to come and to grow and, and to mature and become all that God wants them to be? And that's our main focus. Or is church where you bring people to evangelize them? And depending on which way you see this depends on how your church functions in a lot of ways. It'll it'll change how you function. Um, What happens is if the if the philosophy is the church is where we bring people to evangelize them, then everything we do is geared around people who are lost and don't know the Lord. We, we gear everything for them. We gear the message for them. We gear the worship for them. We think about everything that we do concerning those that are lost. And we'll even go to the so far as we don't want to offend them. Okay, because that's why we're here is to reach lost. So we surely don't want to offend them. And you know how you offend people. If you're a Christian, you're too religious. Anybody ever heard that say, well, you know, you're just too religious. Okay, so if that's the case, then we don't want people coming into church thinking we're too religious. What's the downside? The downside is, then if we don't want to be too religious, what do we want to be? We want to be more worldly so they're comfortable when they get here. Because if it's all about the loss, we want to make it very comfortable for them. So we wouldn't do anything out of the ordinary. Okay? And this becomes a very important question is, why are we here? Why are we here? I'll tell you what I think. Don't make it right. But since I'm the pastor, this is kind of how it is here. And you can say, well, I don't agree. And then that's fine. And, you know, but I'll just tell you what I think. Okay, here's what I think. I think as Christians, we can't be afraid of what people think about how we worship or how we see God. If I'm afraid of that, how am I ever going to witness And so when people come, I think Christians have to just be themselves. Now, 
What's that look like? Well, it looks like all kinds of things. We're all different. We're all different. I don't think we should be cookie cutter where, well, if you're a Christian, you, we all got to end up being like this. You know, we all have to act a certain way. We all have to do, you know, I don't think that we're all different people. You know, we're different. I'm blessed. I'm blessed because um, I can't remember her name now. Allie, little Allie, the new little girl that comes. You know, she's over here just dancing her heart out. You know, little Gracie sits in her chair and kind of looks at Allie. And she just, you know, doesn't say anything. But, you know, we're different. We're, Allie, should, Allie should be able to express herself. Anyway, we shouldn't say to Allie, oh, Allie, now you come sit down. Now, you don't be doing that. You might, you might offend somebody. You might be bothering somebody. And see, if we, if we worry about everybody around us, we're going to start dictating what we do and how we worship or how we express ourselves or, or whatever it is. We'll start, well, what if somebody new comes? What if somebody new comes? Well, here's what I found. If you're genuine, if you're who you are, people won't be offended. Now, they might think, wow, what are they doing? Or they might look at you funny or something. But, they, you know, I've had people come and they'll just honestly ask a question. Why did, why did you do that? Until you get a chance to say, you explain it. But I think you just have to be yourself. Be willing to be who you are. We're all different. And so, so when people come, yes, I think we should be sensitive to new people. And people that are coming. You know, people who are guests. I think we should be very sensitive. The the danger is that the church becomes groupy and we love each other so much we don't even notice a new person. We don't even notice them. I'm too busy talking to my friends. I'm too busy catching up on the news last week with everybody. I'm, I just, oh, I have so, you know, the church is so wonderful. All my friends go there. And all of a sudden new people come and we, we don't even notice them. We don't even notice them. I think that's wrong. I think we need to be sensitive to new people. I think we should acknowledge new people. I think we should do everything we can to make them welcome. But I don't think we should not be who we are. I don't think we should not be who we are. And I think we need to say, you know what? We believe God is real. And we believe God works by his spirit in people here. And that looks different to different people and it expresses itself in different ways. And we're different. So you're welcome to come and, and, and be a part. You know, you don't have to be like anybody. But by the same token, we're not looking down on somebody because they do something different than I do. You know, some people raise their hands. I'll give you some examples. You know, people raise their hands. People dance. People clap. People sing. People do all things in worship, you know, different things. It's worship. And so to say, well, don't do that because that might offend a new person. And, you know, I, well, I don't have permission to tell a story, but I can tell you a story where that happened. Not here, but, you know, where that happened to somebody. They said, well, you can't do that because that might offend a new person that comes in. You know, so we're to be witnesses. And when people come, if that's if that and that's one way of evangelism is to invite people to come. 
and we can invite him to come to church. But then what what we should expect is that the Holy Spirit is here and the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts and they will hear the gospel. Now, it's important the gospel is preached. Now, in the church, if I preached a gospel evangelism message every Sunday, there would be a segment of people, and rightly so, would say, okay, we've heard that. Can you tell me what else God wants to do and how I can mature? So the, the thing that happens is, in the church like ours, I think you have messages that are about growth and maturity. You have messages sometimes that are about sharing the gospel and people knowing Christ. Now, you can't always incorporate that all in one. So what I'm saying is this. When it comes to witnessing, somewhere people have to hear the word. And if you bring them to church, they come once and they don't hear the word, it's not my fault. Because you can share the word with them. They have to hear it. Understand, they have to hear it. It's not about just going to church. They have to hear the gospel to know what does it mean that I'm a sinner, that I confess my sins and I need to be saved. They have to hear that somewhere. And it doesn't have to always be at church. Each of us have that responsibility. So consequently, to think the church is the only evangelism tool is wrong. That, and that'll, that'll, miss, that'll miss a lot of times sharing the gospel. But it is, it is a way. And it can be a way. Also, people can come and they can be invited to things. It doesn't have to be to church. People can be invited to a Bible study. People can be invited to hear a speaker. You know, maybe you might know somebody you would want to invite to the ladies thing in Finley. You know, where they would hear somebody share the gospel. Um, You know, you might, like I say, you might invite them to Bible study. Um, you might just invite them to your house. You might just invite them over to be friendly. You know, nothing wrong with that. Now, being friendly doesn't mean that you've shared the gospel. But being friendly goes a long ways to them wanting to hear the gospel. You know? And so sometimes just being a friend. Or invite them to a social thing. You know, sometimes we do just social things in the church. It's okay to just get together to have fun. That's okay. It's when the church only gets together to have fun that I have a problem. You know, you know, it's not a social place, but we can do social things. And so that's okay because it's opportunity to share the gospel. But when it comes to witnessing, at some point, they have to hear. They have to hear the gospel. They have to hear the message. Um, and, it, and it comes different ways, inviting people. And a lot of times it's natural. You know, sometimes it's very natural ways. Um, sometimes, sometimes it's not so natural. You know, every once in a while, Lord might say to you, invite somebody you maybe don't know real well. That doesn't feel natural. You know, sometimes we get, Lord. I think sometimes the Lord will ask us to do things that maybe make us a little uncomfortable. I find that to be true, you know. 
So, so there's various ways that that can happen. Sometimes a crisis will give you an opportunity. A lot of times crises will give you opportunity to share the gospel. People have a crisis in their family. Could be a health crisis. Could be a financial crisis. Could be a near miss with death. You know, it, it can be just a lot of different things can happen that will open a door. That will open a door. You know, a lot of times as Christians, if we just watch for open opportunities to share the gospel. You know, just open opportunities to share the gospel with somebody. Just keep your eyes open. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Help me to see, you know. Help me to see what you see. Help me to see opportunities. You know, where somebody asks a question. I want to look at a a verse in Acts, the 16th chapter, the 25th verse. Paul and Silas were were put in jail. And uh, they were sitting in jail and and. uh, in Acts 16, 25, it says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I question if you're put in jail, if at midnight you're singing and praising God. Now, you might, maybe if you remember this story, you might, oh, you know what we ought to do? But your natural tendency would not be to sing and pray. Most of us would sit there and grumble. Grumble about the food, grumble about how they take care of us, you know. We'd probably grumble, why am I here? This isn't fair. But, you know, Paul and Silas at midnight, they're singing and praying. And the prisoners were listening to them. Sometimes if you live your life in such a way that it's just the way you are and it's how you live, people will watch you. People will watch you. They'll watch what you do. They'll watch what you say. They'll watch how you react to things. And it says, suddenly there was a great earthquake. Now now we're into something else. Now we got an earthquake going on. And the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open. And everyone's chains fell off. Okay. Isn't that what they were all hoping for? The keeper of the prison, he was awakened from his sleep and seeing the prison doors open. Supposing the prisoners had fled, because wouldn't that be what they would do? If the doors open and your chains fall off, most prisoners would run. He drew his sword and he's going to kill himself because he's responsible and he knows he's probably going to die anyway. So he draws his sword to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why did he ask that question? Because I think he was listening when they were praying and singing he knew there was something different about them and he knew that they didn't run when they were free these guys are different these guys are different and so he says what must i do to be saved and they said to him believe on the lord jesus christ you will be saved you and your household then they spoke the word of the lord to him and all who were in his house they heard the word And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. So. We see that something happened. There was a crisis. There was a there was an event. And somebody said, wow, what do I need to do to be saved? People will ask you that question. 
Sometimes things happen in their life, and it may, they may say it in different ways, but they're, they're going to say, wow, I think there's a God and something's going on, and tell me about it. What's, what's going on? And it opens a door. It opens a door. It can be weather events. You know, we're getting what seems to be a lot of strong, crazy weather events. Remember, the Bible says the whole earth is going to groan before Jesus comes back. I'm, you know, I don't know. Is the earth groaning? I don't know. They keep telling me there's a lot of things happening that haven't happened before. You know, they say things, you know, we're getting all these big events. You know, the other day I read something that says now we're headed into an ice age, a mini ice age. Well, when people read this stuff, they go, what's going on? You can get an opportunity to share. I think the thing to share is, number one, God created it. He's in charge. He, he, you know, that's, that's an open door. God created it. He's in charge. I, don't, I can't explain everything. I can't tell you if the earth is warming up two degrees every ten years or, or it's going back. I, you know, I can't explain all that, but I know... He created it, and I know he's in charge, and we can trust him. So it opens a door to share with people. You can talk to them about it. Um, believe it or not, political events can help you. You know? Now, don't get caught up in all the political conversation, you know? But it can be an open door to share your faith. You know? Oh, my goodness, what are we all going to do? You know? And, and it opens a door, opens a door. People ask a question. All the wars and rumors of wars, you know, people get stirred up about that stuff. You know, and they, they'll start wondering. And they'll just ask you a question. Well, those are opportunities, you know, opportunities that things happen and people will ask. They'll ask you a question. So you have opportunity to share with them. The Bible says we need to be ready. We need to be ready to give an account. You know, so it's not wrong to think about ahead of time. What would I say if somebody asked me? I think you can have a kind of a plan. The Bible says you're going to get the words when the time comes, but I think you can think about it. What would I say if somebody said, well, you know, I think the world's going to end. You know, I what is it now with the global warming and all, you know, these things, 14, 15-year-old girls are now all up in a turmoil because the world's going to end and they don't know how to stop it. And they feel responsible. I think that's a terrible thing for adults to put on kids. But, but still, the question's there. What do we, what, you know, so we can sit out, we can share with somebody. Well, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think. And we can share our faith. And so these are opportunities for us. And remember, and I'm going to talk more about this next week, but remember, the results aren't up to you. Okay? It's not your job to pressure people. It's to share. I want to look at a, a story in Acts, the 26th chapter. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul himself was sharing with somebody. And in Acts 26, Verse 22, 
he's sharing with his king Agrippa, and he says, they're having obtained help from God to this day. I stand witnessing both to small and great. This is Paul talking, saying no other things than that which the prophets and Moses said would come. So he's just saying, you know, I'm just telling you that prophets and Moses said this was going to happen, that the Christ would suffer, that he would first, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. So as he shares this, the response is, you're crazy. You're crazy. Now, that didn't deter him. So if somebody calls you crazy, don't let that stop you. You know, and he goes on, he says, I'm not mad. He says, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escaped his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also those who hear me today might both become both almost and altogether such as I am except for these chains. What did he say? He says, Paul, you know what? I've listened to you, and I'm almost persuaded. The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul shared with, with this king. And he said, you know what? I've listened to you, and I'm almost persuaded. So, as Christians, I don't think we should, and, and you know, we do, but I don't think we should worry about results. There's nowhere that says you and I are responsible for the results. The Holy Spirit has to work in somebody's heart. The words that you speak have to be come together with the Holy Spirit to speak to somebody's heart. The Holy Spirit has to work. But you share and trust God to do the rest. And then next week I'm going to talk about, you know, we do, when we share the word, all kinds of things happen. You know, various things happen. And we're not responsible for that part. We feel like we are. You know, and we always want positive results. But, you know, some sow, some water, some harvest. So, you know, you, you do what God's called you to do. God's called you to do. But bottom line, people have to hear the word somewhere. Okay, they have to hear the word. We have to be ready to share the truth. Now, what's the truth? Well, what has Jesus done for you? What has he done for you? What does he mean to you? That's going to be your witness. That's going to be your witness. What does he mean to you? And that's what you need to share. Just share. This is what I believe. It's not some, you know, and, you know, to some extent it needs to be theologically correct. It needs to be biblical. But I don't think we should get too hung up on that. And I say that because of this. Jesus tended to send people out before much training. He sent, he sent some disciples out early, early, early in his ministry. And he says, hey, tell you what. Don't take much with you. Just get out and go. Well, what are we going to do? Well, just share the word, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and come on back. Well, what's that? <laughs> what's that? I mean, it's like, 
Well, yeah, but what if they ask this question? He didn't tell them, well, don't ask them, worry about questions. He just said, just go do this. Go. And what happened? They come back and they said, Lord, we can't believe it. We can't believe it. We can't believe it. It happened just like you said. We can't believe it. So I think sometimes we make it too difficult. You know, and I, you know, I, and I say that here doing a whole series on evangelism, but I don't want when I'm done to say, wow, he made that really hard. Wow, we got to do this and this and say this and do this and this. No, no. Go tell people what you see. Tell them what you see. What has Jesus done for you? What does he mean to you? You know, if, if that means, hopefully, well, he saved me. He provides for me. He cares for me. He watches over me. He heals me. You know, it can be a lot of, you know, this is, this is what Jesus means to me. This is what he's done for me. Come and see. Come and see. Come and hear. You know, they have to hear the word. You know, and first and foremost is what people need to do is come to know Christ. Now, coming to know Christ doesn't mean that they might not experience a healing before they come to know Christ. So don't say, well, I'd pray for you, but you're not a Christian yet. You know, God, I think personally, a lot of times it seems like to me that he'll move in a non-believer's life almost quicker than a believer. Now, I, you know, I know that's kind of, but sometimes it's like, well, he wants to make himself real to them. He's a living God. We can pray. We can pray, Lord, here, why don't you just trust him and see? Now, because they trust him and seeing something doesn't mean they're a believer. You can get God's grace and him do all kinds of things for you. It doesn't mean you're a believer. At some point, there has to be the message that you're a sinner and you need a savior and you can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. You know, I had the opportunity. I debated about sharing this, but uh, Phil asked me to go talk to his dad yet, uh, this last week. And so just for, you know, I, I don't think I'm, I won't. Anyway, <laughs> I'm started now, so I'm stuck. But anyway, um, Phil's dad can't hear. He can't hear Zippo, okay? So, is that difficult? Oh, did you ever try talking to somebody that can't hear a word you're saying? I mean, so what do you do? He's got a big white board, and you write everything down. You write every everything I say, you write down, and then he reads it, and then he responds. In the middle of that, he's talking, you know, and I've known Bill a long time, and, you know, Bill's talking, I'm, I'm writing, and, and uh, you know, trying to just talk to him. I mean, he's getting close, it looks like, you know, close to his death. And so, you know, we're just, we're just talking, kind of find out what, and it was very interesting doing the, you know, the writing and the process of being real slow process. And uh, so, you know, we talked and, and shared and, and I'm going to go back, you know, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to take him communion. And I've been thinking about, it. can you imagine giving somebody communion and, and writing down everything that you're doing? It's kind of a, you think about it. And then they respond, and so they talk, and then you go, oh, wait a minute, okay, here's my next sentence. <laughs> An opportunity to share the gospel, you know. I don't personally, you know, I don't know exactly where Bill is spiritually, and that's okay, but, you know, it's just an opportunity. 
But it's just like, wow, that's a real different opportunity of having to write this down and get a response, then write the next sentence. And then it's like, you think, well, okay, what's, what was my last <laughs> sentence? And where are we going next? But, but you know, you express and you share the gospel. You share the gospel in lots of different ways. Lots of different ways. I think with children, it's really a lot simpler. Children are simplistic. We're to be like children, but children are very simple. You need to trust Jesus. Okay. <laughs> That's about how it goes. You know, now, they grow in that. They grow in their faith, but it starts real simple. Maybe as adults, we ought to do that too. Start real simple, and then we grow. We grow. So there's lots of ways to witness, but I think each of us need to pray, Lord, help me to keep my eyes open to see opportunities. To see opportunities. Help me to be willing to witness without having to see results. If you want results, you're going to hesitate to witness because you don't always get, you can't always see results. You know, God knows, God sees, and he knows what's going on. So we trust him. We trust him. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for opportunities we have to share, to witness, to love those around us. Lord, help us to be faithful witnesses. Lord, open our eyes so we could see opportunities. Lord, help us to pray about opportunities, to think about opportunities, so that we're ready when an opportunity arises. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer today. Lord, uh, maybe they think, well, this isn't very important. But Lord, help them to see that you care about the little things too. Lord, you encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray with them up front here right when we dismiss. Lord, we just thank you for being with us. Lord, just uh, guide us throughout our week and just keep us close to you. We just pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.